We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. Welcome to Talking Buffalo. We are live here at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo, live from Imperial Series, one week before the draft. I am joined by my good friend, this is like the fifth or sixth time that Jay's done this show with me. Second time in person. Now, first time here at Imperial. Jay Skursky, Buffalo News, Buffalo Bills beat reporter. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I feel like I'm here in a little bit of enemy territory in South Buffalo. This is time and country, being a St. Francis <laughs> guy, you know. But hopefully I'll be welcome. I haven't gotten any dirty looks or anything like that. So, so far, so good. Well, not yet, anyway. But <laughs> Now that I broadcast it, right? <laughs> I saw on Twitter when you put this out that someone challenged me to only talk about St. Francis for this entire podcast. They did. I told them that I do love a challenge, so, you know, (laughs) we'll see how it goes. Hey, I'm a St. Francis guy, man. We were talking over some wings here. Um, One of my son's best friends went to St. Francis, was a a good running back there. Speaking of, what kind of wings do we bang out? I I, I have them here so often. I love this place so much, I forget about what we eat. There was a, a dry rub of some sort. There was a hot garlic parm, which was very, very good. Yes. You turned me on to that one. I hadn't heard of that one before. And then there was a very saucy one that you said was almost too saucy. What was that one? It was. It was. I was paying homage to uh, Marcel Louis Jacques, who former Bills uh, beat reporter. Now he's with uh, covering the Miami Dolphins. They were hot honey mustard barbecue. They're a lot. They are a lot. They're a, yeah, they're they're a, a lot. Little, to they're take. a little sticky. You, yeah, you got to get it. Got to get to the bathroom. Get a good hand washing. It wash around the mouth. Maybe I yeah. got a beard. You know, you got you got to check the beard when you're done. <laughs> I like to mix them up here, though, man. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm here with these shows every week, so I definitely got to mix up the flavors. You never go wrong with the the medium Cajun, although those, those were great. And yeah, the hot garlic parm. There's those were. Solid. I've had garlic parm a million times, and I never really mix hot sauce in there. They make them so good here, man. This is uh. I say it every week. You know, I sound like a broken record, but this is one of those places that's really consistent. You know, you and I could come here, sit down, and have a, a pint of beer and, and wings every week. And if you really like them, you're going to like them every time. We were you know? saying right before we went on, that's like kind of the hallmark of a good wing place, right? That consistency, you don't always get that. So, yeah, solid, super solid place. This is your first time here at Imperial to sit down and eat. Now, you said that you came up here before, to, which is pretty much a pickup food. You didn't sit down and eat pretty impressive place and i told you this has kind of like been redone in the last handful of years very spacious it's awesome man i got the, the the garage doors over here are open getting fresh <laughs> air i mean a taste of what's to come hopefully i know it's going to be like 40 in two days again but uh just yeah that you know i'm a sucker for outdoor spaces and like all that outdoor space over there that's great so yeah really really nice in here i can't can't say enough good things and it's hopping i mean it's a uh, what, 8 o'clock on a Thursday, and this place is jammed. It is. And, you know, you bring up the garage being open, and that is the one thing. It's not a material pizza. It's got nothing to do with material. This has just got to do with Buffalo right now. This has been, like, one of the most annoying weeks that I can remember with this weather. Jay, so we're having wings before the show. And, by the way, side note, small world. Turns out, Jay, who I've gotten to know over the last handful of years, so we moved back to Buffalo, my family here. And turns out that Jay plays softball with my son uh, on Thursday nights, which is, is again, it's just really cool, man. In fact, he told me 
Um, he goes, Dad, you know, at first he couldn't remember your name because he had never met you before. He goes, he's a sports writer. He works for the Buffalo News. And I'm thinking, I'm like, Jay? He goes, yeah, yeah, Jay Skursky. He says you're a good player, too. So you're getting up there in age, man, but you can still move around. We're doing our best. Yeah, <laughs> I'm at second base. He played shortstop, too. So we got a little bit of that connection there. And uh, it's nice to inject some youth into the into the softball lineup. So <laughs> it's been very nice to have Shane there at the top of the order. We can we can trust him to get on base and then run around. And, yeah, I can flip the ball over to him and let him do all the work. So. Yeah, I'm hanging in there for an older guy. I'm, I'm doing say, my it, best to keep up with the kids. Does it make you feel old now where you say an injection of youth into the team? There was probably a time where you remember playing any, whatever sport it was where you were the injection of youth. Now you're looking for the injection of youth. So, I mean, this this team, the the you know the, the fabric of the team has been together for a long time. I'm talking like 20 years. And, yeah, we're getting up there. We, uh, Nick Sukan, who you also know, uh, he, he runs the team. And we have been joking for the last couple of years that our goal – is to play long enough to see our sons get onto the team. And once that happens, then we'll then just start done. keeping score. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll sit over there. We'll drink the beer and keep the scorebook. But we still got a few more years for that. But, you know, we, we were saying before we went on, Nick and I have been playing long enough before we had kids. And now we're talking about his son is a great hockey player. And, and Elliot loves baseball. And he's a golfer and plays basketball. And so seeing these kids grow up together and playing the sports, it's it's pretty neat. That's pretty what cool. it's all about, man. It really is the – Life come in full circle with people that you grew up with, that you've been friends with for a long time, and you guys have kids and stuff like that. I always felt – so I grew up on the west side of Buffalo, and I always dreamed – I you know it's not a little corny, but I always dreamed a lot of the, the people that I grew up with, our, our close friends, that we would have kids, and they would go to school together, or they would play sports together in Little League or whatever have you. But when I grew up on the west side, kind of everybody left over like a 10-year you know year period. Everyone now lives like in Kenmore, Tonawan. Everyone from the West Side spread out. Well, the West Side's making a comeback, man. It's starting to hop again, which is um, awesome to see. But anyway, back to this weather. This week, dude, I mean, what the hell? It's been, you got the air conditioning on, or at least you got the windows open a little bit for a while. And, and then an hour later, you got the heat cranked. It, it's just nuts. The garage is open. You'll probably need a jacket on before you end up leaving here in the next hour or so. It's going to get cold again. It's just been Nuts. I mean, I know we're in Buffalo and it's April. I mean, what do you expect? But still, there was a nice two day stretch there where you didn't have to have the heat or the air conditioning on. Right. The gas yeah. bill was getting a break. The uh, electric bill was was getting a break. But my wife, if, if she's listening, I'm sure she's not listening live. She's getting ready to <laughs> go to bed. But if she listens to the replay of this, she will know that I constantly joke with her about like, no, you need to wait to turn the heat on or no, we got to wait to turn the air on. She's pretty impatient. So I can definitely say that in the last week, the, the air and the heat have both been on in our house. Now, I've lived in Florida for five years. You're very familiar with Florida. You went to college in Florida. So you know that life, what it's like. I feel like it's it's nice so often or hot. Not necessarily nice. Definitely hot so often. And you almost kind of take it for granted. One cool thing about Buffalo when it gets to be this time of year, when you've been beat up for three or four months with the winter, is that even if it is just for two days, when you get that reprieve, that break, like, last Saturday was absolutely gorgeous. And I didn't feel like doing anything, but I'm like, there's no way in hell I am not going to a patio bar somewhere and going to get a couple of pints of beer and sit outside and enjoy this weather. When it's like that in Buffalo, when you get that opportunity, man, you, people come alive when it gets nice out. I 100% agree with that. And I think going to school in Florida and, and you living there, I think you come to that realization that you really, really appreciate those nice summer months and you're determined to make the best of them. And I, I, it's not like that anywhere. Like you said, I mean, or, or not like that everywhere, at least, you know, you go down to Florida and it's nice every day. You take it for granted, but up here, as soon as that weather turns, like you're getting outside. And I it was funny. We were, Elliot was getting off the bus last week. It was one of the nicer days, Thursday or Friday. And he asked if he could go into one of his friend's house to play. And we were like, sternly but still nicely but sternly no no you're playing outside it's too nice you are not going to play your tablet right now after school like get your ball glove get a football get a basketball like that's that's what's happening after school today but i think i think when you are from buffalo or you live in buffalo you come to appreciate those nice months and sometimes you have to go away to to see it right absolutely go somewhere where you get it all the time and then when you when you come back and you don't have it on the time yet there's no doubt you make the most of it that's a great point, and I'll tell you, I remember before I moved, I mean, I still bitch about the weather. I, I'm getting old, and I, I've never, you know what, it's not even that I'm getting old. Even when I was young, I never, I was never a winter kid. 
kid. Never a winner kid, never a winner young adult. I, I, don't, I hate winner now. So that hasn't changed. But weather aside, I don't think I appreciated Buffalo as much before I left. And again, not really weather, but just the people, um, the food, obviously. Places like, say, like this, Imperial Pizza, these neighborhood staples. And every neighborhood has some form of Imperial Pizza. I don't care if you're from Amherst or Clarence. Every neighborhood has one or two staple bars, you know, like this and Doc Sullivan's. This is the staple, the, the epicenter of South Buffalo. But anyway, you got you got your neighborhoods and your communities. And, you know, someday, you know, Valley is playing travel baseball or something, and you're going to have a – his team's going to have a beer blast somewhere to, to benefit that team. The whole – the, the community's coming out for it. You know what I mean? And that's a great thing about Buffalo that I never really realized – until I moved to Florida. And I don't want to sit here and diss people because people in Florida are great too, but it's more people are to themselves in other areas of the country, at least from what I've experienced than here. We're like this community, communities around Western New York, they just, they bond together. They have some kind of bond that they, they come together. You know, we didn't get a chance or you didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I got a friend here, um, Ryan, one of my best friends. He's, he's sitting here at the bar right now, hanging out. Dude has stage four cancer and he lived in Florida with me. And do a benefit. He wasn't even living here in Buffalo anymore. He's living in Florida. And we put together a benefit for him here. Over 200 people came out. This place donated $500 worth of food for free. People just came out of the woodwork to donate great prizes to make the Chinese auction better. And people were spending more money because of that. And that's just stuff you see in Buffalo, that you don't see in other areas of the country, at least from where I live personally. And I don't think I really appreciated that until I left and then I came back. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to get me emotional here, right? Well, but no, I think it's it, true, though. I know, it, it is. It's absolutely true. The sense of community in this place is is unrivaled. It's unmatched. It's, um, you know, the you grow up with, with, with your friends and, you know, you have this lifelong bond. And I, I'll, I, again, I'll go back to my challenge, but I'll talk about St. Francis again. And the guys that I went to school with, you know, we are friends for the rest of our lives, yeah. you know, and that's not going to change uh, no matter if we're here in Buffalo or somewhere else. But I, I really think that, you know, it, it's bigger than just the school. It's it's a larger sense of community that you get here in Buffalo. And I think there's a reason that so many people leave and, and come back. It's home for a lot of people. And yeah, it's got its flaws and it's got its warts. And uh, I, I'm with you. I wish the weather was better. The spring is my least favorite season. It's like, I, I can I can deal with the winter, but like just give me a real spring, not forty and raining until it gets to the summer. But you know we don't get that. You know we get bad springs. Um, but you know the weather is the weather, and and again it goes back to when it does get nice. What do we do around here? We try to make the most of it, and I think that's true in in all walks of life. We try to make the most of it. We try to you know pick each other up when when we're down and um, it doesn't surprise me at all that 200 people came to that benefit i've seen it time and get, time and again and you know that that's what people around here do they rally around each other uh, it's what makes it such a great place to live it's what makes i think when you know obviously i'm here because i cover the bills and uh, i talk to those guys for a living but you know it, it's fun for me to hear them you know we'll, we'll talk about the draft here pretty soon They'll, they'll get these guys on conference calls after they get picked. And a lot of times they'll say, I don't know the first thing about Buffalo. Maybe I came there on a visit. I, you know, it, it, but usually it's, they don't know much or they know it's pretty cold. Right. Right. And then they're here and to talk to those guys a year or two or three years or four years after the fact, and to have them learn about this community and see the way that it's impacted them, I think is one of the coolest parts of this job. And it happens time and again with those players and you know that that's a testament first and foremost sure it's the organization but it's more than that it's the people it's the community the way that people make them feel here and th i think that says a lot about where we live yeah western new york is just a, a great bunch of communities including this one at imperial and again we're on a random thursday night in april the weather's okay there's nothing special going on there's no sabers games no bills games or anything like that still got a good crowd here they just come out and uh Support. What are a couple of with with you and Melissa? And by the way, if you're living on a rock, you don't know this. When I when we see Melissa, Jay's married to Melissa Holmes from uh, Channel Two. What are a couple spots? Let's plug a couple places, man. When you get a chance to go out and and get some food with your wife, maybe a drink or two or whatever. What are a couple spots that like you, you like to hit up around Western New York? 
So we're uh, Snyder people. We live in Amherst. Mm -hmm. uh, we love music on Maine on Thursdays in the summer in yeah. Amherst. Uh, Brightsmith has been kind of a, a big spot lately on Main Street in Williamsville. Uh, that's a pretty popular spot. I've heard a lot about it. Never been there. Yeah, that was uh, you mentioned Marcel earlier. Marcel was uh, he was a big Brightsmith yeah. guy. So I am actually from Lewiston originally. Uh, so Niagara County uh, Center Street in Lewiston in the summer doesn't get much better. So Art Park concert or something like that. We uh, we love to get up there uh, as well. Um, you know, if we're out in in the South Towns, I got to give a shout out to my old uh, sponsor at Buffalo Sports Garden. They were our softball sponsor yeah. for a long time. And I know those guys. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of buddies in West Seneca. So, uh, you know, Buffalo Sports Garden is, is a place too. Um, gosh, I mean, we talked earlier. I mean, the food, the food in Buffalo, I mean, it's unmatched. Like you could just go to so many different places. Uh, we went to, it's a funny story. We went to Russell Salvatore's 90th birthday this past weekend. And so I've seen it. We're Facebook friends. Yes. I've seen a couple photos. So if we're doing like a nice big steak dinner, like Russell's is probably our spot. Love, love there for steaks. But yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a million places, right? You guys were all decked out. Everybody was fancy. decked out, very, man. Very that fancy, that looked right? like it was a uh, really fun time. It was his 90th birthday. Right? 90th birthday. Yeah. What a guy. Man, so cool. All right. So let's transition into some Bill's talk here. We'll get to the draft in a few minutes. A couple of topics that I wanted to ask you about. And again, you know, you're 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 covering the team. You're you're around the team. You're there all the time. Stefan Diggs right now. How do I? I want to make sure I say this correctly. The national media. I don't want to sit there and, and blast the media because then I'm not because I'm not talking about the local media. I'm talking about national media right now. For the most part, are kind of making a story out of Stefan Diggs not being here for OTAs. Like Pro Football Talk, for an example, made it a like a legitimate story. Like he's skipping workouts. Like hey, he he's done this before. This is not the first time that he hasn't been there. We all know how the season ended. Um, we all know that Stefan was visibly unhappy during the game and some cryptic tweets that have went on over the last handful of months actually going on now. Not here this week. Josh Allen talked about him. We'll get to Josh in a second as well. Doesn't seem like it's a real story that he's not here. Josh spoke very fondly and confident of him, like, you know, they're closer than ever. Brandon Bean pretty much shot it down as a non-story as well. What's your sense right now with Stefan Diggs? And not about him not being here, because, again, I don't think that's his story, but just his sense of frustration. You still feel like he's kind of frustrated with how last season ended and just maybe some other things as well? I think with how last season ended, yeah, I think he's mm -hmm. still frustrated, sure. I mean, he had, it, you know, the, the few times that we have heard from Stefan Diggs since the season ended and uh, Catherine Fitzgerald, my coworker, was able to catch up with him briefly at the Super Bowl and probably uh, got, I would say, the most expansive comments from him, which is has not been much. He has not had a lot to say, but he admitted at the time that he, you know, he was still trying to figure out what happened. And I, I definitely think there's a, a a frustration there that probably isn't going away until September, right, when the games start again. Um, what does that mean going forward? I don't think a lot, honestly, because he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He's. It would cost more to trade him than to have him on the roster, right? That alone makes it un un unlikely, highly unlikely that they would do it. And on top of that, it doesn't make you better. You're better with Stefan Diggs. So I don't see, I see this as a total non-story. Now, let me, let me add to that, though, that, you know, he's a team captain, right? Mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs should not be above criticism. And in fact, I think should be held to a bit of a higher standard as a team captain. So I was critical of him when he didn't speak to the media after the loss to the Bengals. I thought he should have owned it. Yeah. I, I'll say that again right now. I thought he should have owned it. Why doesn't he step up? You know, he is their last two playoff losses. He has had very quiet statistical games. Now, I know against Kansas City, Gabe Davis had that monster game, and that point was kind of lost. But the, my, the, the point I'm making there is that I think Stefan Diggs should have answered as a captain. He should have spoke for his team about what happened in that game. He didn't, and I was critical of him then, and I'd be critical of him tomorrow or the next time we talk to him. Um, beyond that, though, in terms of not being here, you know, he is a captain, right? And that is, you know, you, Von Miller's rehabbing a torn ACL. He's yeah. here. Yep. Josh Allen is here. Micah Hyde is here rehabbing. You know, he's, he's been cleared, but whatever. He was injured last year. So your team captains are here. He's not here. I understand that it's voluntary. 
But I think if you wanted to look at that, you could say, you know, maybe he could set an example by being here. That being said, though, you as you as you pointed out, it's he hasn't always been at these before. If I if I remember correctly, last year I think he missed the first week and then was there the second week. So let's see, let's see where it goes. Uh, I I wouldn't read too much into it as you know, there's all sorts of drama and negativity and it's an impending divorce or anything like that. I don't think we're at that point, but I also don't think that it's fair. Uh, I, I also don't think that we should look at Stefan Diggs as being above any type of criticism. What happened in Minnesota previously, does that heighten the worry? Maybe at least if you're a fan right now following this team and how things kind of went down with, with Diggs in Minnesota, do you think that might add a little bit of anxiety or worry? And also, this is kind of a, a second question as well. If look, look, you're a competitor, you want to win. You're a team captain. You're a, one of the better players on the team, one of the best receivers in the NFL for that matter. His stats over the last three years, he's been here three years. He quite literally has had the three best seasons in the history of the franchise all three years of being here. It's like it's not like he's not getting the football. You know, like, why, why why, are you so mad? You're literally setting records every single season. You know what I mean? Well, and, you know, to, to your question about the way that things ended in Minnesota, I mean, what more does he want? He's gotten paid. He's getting the football. So, no, I don't I, – I mean, I can understand that he came in with a bit of a reputation, but I really don't think that there should be, quite frankly, anything that he should be all that upset about. He's gotten a new deal. And he gets the football all the time. He's playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's playing in a fan base in front of a fan base who loves him, loves the Bills. So yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know necessarily that you know what happened in, in Minnesota is repeating itself. I don't think that it is, but I could understand why fans might be a little bit uneasy about it, about the potential of that happening. That's fair. Uh, when it comes to Josh, when he spoke this week, what was your sense listening to him speak? Been rumors of stuff going off the field, which I am absolutely going to not talk about. It's none of our business. That's personal. That's between him and, and anybody else. So I feel like it's not my place to talk about this. this. Isn't a gossip podcast. But anyway, we all know he might be going through some shit. What What was your sense of uh, just hearing from him this week? Seemed to me, anyway, seemed pretty focused, pretty pretty relaxed. What, what What was your take? Yeah, I mean, I would say very focused. I thought, you know, there was a couple of interesting comments. Number one, that, he, you know, he said he was more focused than ever on football right mm -hmm. now. Um, but the thing that I found most interesting was the the quote where he said that, you know, I've always viewed myself as a football player first and a quarterback second, and I'm aware that at some point in my career that's going to have to change. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, to me, was very telling. Uh, because he was not asked about it. I'd have to go back and listen to the exact wording of the question, but it really seemed like he wanted to bring that up, you know, and, and that he wanted to get that point out there. And the reason that I find that interesting is, is I'll go back to Brandon Bean's uh, season-ending press conference the day or two days after they lost to the Bengals. And if you go back and listen to that very closely, he was he was talking about Josh Allen and the, the topic that has been – on the table basically since this guy came to Buffalo and was drafted and about him running and the amount of running and is it too much and is he subjecting himself to too many hits while running and for the longest time I thought that the Bills response whether it was from Bean or McDermott or, or Brian Dayball or Ken Dorsey was you know we talk to Josh all the time we we don't want you know we want him to slide when he can slide we want him to get a, get out of bounds when he can get out of bounds but we're never going to coach that out of him. And, you know, it's Josh. Josh is going to be Josh. And, and it's part of what makes him great. But if you go back and listen to that very carefully, and, and I maintain, you know, and this is just strictly my opinion on listening to it, but I thought for the first time I heard some frustration in Brandon Bean's voice about it. And in the sense that, you know, this guy's got to stop taking so many hits. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how many different ways we can tell him to stop taking so many hits. Now, I asked Alan, was that mess, you know, you know, your your message there about being a quarterback first and a football player second, is that internal or was that maybe messaging from the team? And he and he said it was internal. It wasn't anything that the team had told him. But we know that that's been a topic for a long time. And, you know, it, it was pretty interesting for me to hear him talk about it at that length and to know it, it seemed like there was a, a heightened realization on his part that taking those those hits and i know that listen 
the two times that Allen's gotten hurt in his career, both elbow injuries yeah. have happened in the pocket, right? So you're never going to eliminate the the entire risk of a of a quarterback getting hurt. But I, I just think that too too often he's taking too much punishment and it's going to catch up to him. The guy's going into his sixth year. It doesn't feel like it. He said it doesn't feel like it, but it's true. You know, he could be on the back half of his career. I know Bills fans hope that he's not and that he gets to, you know, let's say 14 or 15 years. But if he gets 12 years, that's a long NFL career. He's entering year six. So I, I think there was some self-awareness on her, on his part, but I found that very interesting. You're not playing in your 40s playing that kind of football as a quarterback. That's just, and the, and it's not that, realistic. It, right, exactly. And, and that's what you're hoping is that we've seen quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, probably the best example, be able to play well into their deep 30s and play at a high level. But we've also seen it go the other way with Cam Newton where the guy's fallen off a cliff and how much of that had to do with the physical punishment he took. How, realistically, though, how much can he, can he expect to ever change the way he plays football and how less effective would he be? If he's not doesn't have that mentality that, well, I got to get this first down, so I'm going to try to run someone over if I got him, you know, if that's what's going to take to move the chains. Well, and, and he said, and he basically said that if they need two yards for a first down and he's close to the sticks, he's yeah. not, he's putting his head down and he's going for it. And I get that. My my thing is there's a couple of different ways that this could change. Number one is Damian Harris, who they signed in free agency, a legitimate short yardage back. Mm -hmm. They have not had that on the roster. You know, they wanted it to be Zach Moss. It wasn't. Uh, they need that, right? You don't want to have to depend on Allen on those third and one and third and twos every time. It works. He's good at it, but those are that's where he's taking a lot of hits. So ideally, can you can you get a running back who can help you in that regard? And then the the, the rest of that is just he's got to be smarter at times. You're right. Third and two when you're when you're going for it, you got to go for it. But second and eight, six or seven yards isn't going to make it. You know, it's not a big difference, right? Even four yards, even five yards, get it into manageable and slide. I mean, I'm it, laughing. You're right, though. You're 100 percent right. I'm just thinking of the player, and I'm like, yeah, but he wants to be on ESPN's highlights. <laughs> I know, <laughs> as but much as possible. Like, you're right. He's got to change. I and agree. I, and, and I and I just wonder if maybe that's finally sinking in. A lot of talk about adding weapons, and of course, we're gonna again, we're gonna spend a few minutes at least talking about the draft. But the big, one of the biggest stories this offseason, or at least on social media anyway, has been DeAndre Hopkins and the potential of him getting traded here. Now, to be fair to people who are saying, well, it's a non-story or whatever, Hopkins himself, and I personally know of two players that, and I 100% believe them, Hopkins has told them both that he wants to play in Buffalo. And there was even a video about where he didn't say anything, but he gave facial reactions and he smiled about Buffalo. So he's kind of adding some fuel to the fire. He had the Buffalo Soldier uh, video that got taken down. He took that down pretty quickly. But still, we pretty much know that he would like to be a Buffalo Bill at this point, or at least it's one of the teams that he would like to play for. But Brandon Bean kind of really downplayed it. Where are you leaning right now? Like, do you think this is a realistic possibility, or is it kind of a, a far-fetched thing? Now, DeAndre Hopkins is not quite the player he was six, five, six years ago. Still a really good player, though. What do you? How do you see this playing out with well, yeah, I mean, I think Hopkins is really good. I mean, he was suspended last year. I, I know there, you know, some there's been some question as to, you know, how concerning should that be from a character standpoint, mm -hmm. locker room standpoint. I don't think much. I, you know, I I'd have to go back and look exactly what the suspension was for. I think it was, I think it was PEDs, right? Um, but I I wouldn't be worried about that. So I th I still think Hopkins is a phenomenal player. I think he would help this offense immensely. I mean, Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins on the field together at the same time. That's that's intriguing. Um, I don't think that it is you, you phrased it as a realistic option. I, I don't know how realistic it is right now. I feel like if it was that realistic, it would have happened, right? Right. Something is going to have to change. There's going to have to be a major shift somewhere before this deal happens. Number one, the Bills straight can't afford them right now on right. the current contract. So it would have to be a serious contract restructuring. He's not going to want to take less money, right? Um, and I don't know that the Bills are going to want to extend him uh, in an effort to sort of bring that salary cap hit down. So is that the sticking point? Is fit in the offense, what, you know, how he plays with Stefan Diggs, the sticking point? I think I think pretty clear, or, you know, the other, and obviously the other part of that is too, is, is compensation. What is Arizona asking for? Mm -hmm. Are they just not on the same page there? 
in terms of compensation. So I think there are, are significant barriers to this deal. And they're so significant that, I mean, listen, we've been talking about this for quite a while. You know, it was probably at its boiling point when we were out in, in Phoenix for the owners meetings. And that was at the, I, I guess, at the end of March. So we're, you know, we're well into probably three weeks from that point and nothing has happened. So uh, it doesn't seem to me that you use the word realistic. I would not call it realistic. I also wouldn't entirely rule out the possibility. All right. Sounds fair. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. Going to kind of go through this roster quickly by position and figure out a couple spots where you think the Bills more might be more likely to address through the draft early in the draft. So be right back in about five seconds, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Jay Skirsky of the Buffalo News live here at Imperial Pizza. So the draft is like, well, as we're taping this literally a week away. By the way, if people are watching us on video, we're live streaming this on Thursday night. Most people are going to be listening to this in podcast form on Friday. Um, all right, so yeah, we're about a week away from the draft. We don't need to spend a second on quarterbacks. The Bills aren't taking Well, I mean, they might take a developmental guy maybe. Late in the draft, maybe if they're getting sick of drafting uh, or signing a one-year veteran every year, maybe they figure it's time to, to uh, you know, maybe they'll try to develop somebody late in the draft. But again, they only got six picks, though, so, and I'm sure everyone's right now. Brandon Bean finds those precious. Running back, you talked about Damian Harris. Um, I think he's a good addition. James Cook going in the year two. Hines is back this year. Do you see running back? Now, um, but John Robinson is the big name. I don't think he's going to be there. I'm gonna, I got to ask you this, because we do this every year. First round running back, there's always one. It was Travis Etienne, and then there was um, Reese Hall last year, and that was Bajon Robinson. I don't need to ask you if he'd be a good fit. Of course, he'd be a good fit on this team, but do you think it's realistic that the Bills could potentially want to go Bajon Robinson hunting if he were to slip to maybe 18 to 20, somewhere around that? True. Now we're even talking about trading up for a first-round running back. Uh, crazy, no. but he's Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not – team first round running back. I, I haven't been for a long right. time uh, that, you know, just look at the running backs that have been taken in the first round and, and how those teams are doing or, or have done, you know, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley. I know he's had a, you know, he had a great year and the giants were a nice story, but what have they won with Saquon Barkley, you know? And, and those, those are just, you know, two top five examples. You can go down the list from there. Josh Jacobs in, in uh, Vegas now, you know, what have the Raiders won with Josh Jacobs? I just, I just don't think it's a wise use of resources. I, I think now Robinson is a really interesting case, though, because, you know, depending on who you listen to, I think Daniel Jeremiah has, has him as the third best player in the draft. Yeah. Uh, Todd McShay, the second best player in the draft. To your point, I don't know that he's going to be there. So I think this is all kind of a moot point. But no, I mean, I'm just not team running back. I just don't think it's a wise uh, investment in resources. And I'll say, too, that I, I feel like we do this every year around the draft where, you know, the, the the Super Bowl ends, right, early February, mid-February, and there's a little bit of a, a window where free agency kind of captures our attention, but it's only for probably a week or two. But really, the draft is the marquee off-season sure. NFL event, right? And it's so late in the game that we're already here almost into May that we just talk ourselves into things like we can convince <laughs> ourselves of just about anything and just about any position. That's and true. it's like, no. 
the Bills aren't going to take a running back in the first. Like, <laughs> let's stop it already. You're you know? so Why right. Why do we keep doing this? I have literally talked myself in the minus quarterback pretty much every single position <laughs> on this football team at some point. The Bajan Robinson thing just happened over the last handful of days. I agree with you. And furthermore, even if he somehow fell, do you feel to some extent, let's just say they did take him, okay, and he fell 27 and somehow they, they took him. To some extent, aren't you almost punning your second-round pick from just a year ago? Because now James Cook is a clear-cut number two, not just for his rookie year, but for years to come. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He's your third down back at that point, right? right. I mean, Robinson's going to come in and be, uh, you know, as much as there is a three-down running back in the league, he's about, it would right. be about as close as there is to it. Yeah. So, you know, there's an interesting thing about James Cook, though, that I I, I think I want to bring up, and this is a, an idea that I'm going to explore uh, next week in, in the Buffalo news in this. So do you remember what happened before they took James cook? No, no. He did down not once, but twice. Right. That's what right. does that tell you about what they thought of James cook as a player? Right? right. To me, it tells me that they didn't have a second round grade on James cook. They weren't running to the podium when James cook was on the board and taking him. Right. And that's something that I think is really interesting about this draft is they're picking at 27. I would bet you all of the imperial pizzas in the world that they don't have 27 first round grades on players right. and they may not have anywhere even close to that number right. so th the thing that i find interesting about that though is all right so 27 comes up you're on the board you don't have a trade down partner you're going to take a guy there right you're going to have to and for the rest of that player's career he's going to be looked at as a first round pick and he's going to carry the weight of expectations that come with being a first round pick the Bills themselves probably never thought that guy was a first-round pick. James Cook. James Cook, for the rest of his career, was the last pick in the second round. Bills fans are going to refer to James Cook as being a second-round pick and saying he needs to be playing more, he needs to be the starter, he was a second-round pick. The Bills themselves, I'm willing to bet, again, all the Imperial pizzas in the world didn't think James Cook was a second-round player. They yeah. traded down twice before they took him, and I think that's a really interesting part of the draft that goes overlooked a lot you know what is the value of these players that the team assigns to them now the inverse is true too in the fifth and sixth round they might be getting a guy that they thought was a third rounder or a fourth rounder it balances out at the end of the draft but especially early in the draft i think we have a tendency to sort of overvalue these players sometimes that's fair you know it's funny you, you bring up uh betting me all the imperial pizzas here we banged out a bunch of wings i've went easy on you and i'm gonna tell you right if we would add some pizza too might have, might not be doing the show. I might have put you in a food coma, man. You might not have been able to, to be talking right now. I agree with you, by the way, 100% when it comes to running back. It's just he's such a good player, I at least had to bring him up. And, yeah, if you take Robinson, you, part of the reason the appeal to him is that he is a third, he's a three-down guy. You know, he doesn't come out on passing. I, I mean, I think it's a conversation worth having. I, I think it's unlikely that he'll be, he'll be there, especially, especially in this draft with as, as few first-rounders as there are. But I definitely think it's a conversation worth having. When it comes to wide receiver, wide receiver is the most fascinating position for me. Maybe not for the same reasons as everyone else. I'm not sure how clear and, and cut it is right now to take one early because on one hand, you have two good receivers. You, you signed Deion Hardy, and they gave him a pretty decent deal. I like Trent Turnfield more than most. So it's not like they don't have anything at receiver right now. But Gabe Davis is going in was last year, and – he didn't have the greatest. I don't think he was as bad as some people think he was last year, but he didn't have the greatest year either. Um, injuries, inconsistency, drops. But anyway, he's going in his last year. Stephon Diggs, who knows? You're right. No chance he's getting traded now, but maybe in a year or two that happens. And, you know, he's not that young anymore. Hardy, who knows what you're getting? Sherfield's a one-year deal. So I get why you would draft a receiver early. If you draft a receiver early, and maybe give me one or two guys that you like, Who's the who's the odd guy out? What happens if they take a receiver at twenty seven? Like, does that make the Hardy signing less impactful? The Sherfield signing less impactful? What happens if they take a receiver at twenty seven? What would be your thought process? Well, I I will say I think receiver is their biggest need. I, I think mm -hmm. it's the position that they should zone in on. I think it's the guy. I think that if you're if you went into this offseason saying they need to improve their offense, and that's what I did. They they scored ten points in a home playoff game. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have talked a lot about the la your last game of the year telling you a lot about who you are. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, and if they believe that, and I believe that they do, 
because they went to that, you know, you look at 13 seconds game and they believe they didn't impact Patrick Mahomes enough. So what did they do in the offseason? They responded by going out and signing Von Miller. Right. They've, they viewed that as their biggest deficiency and they tried to fix it in the biggest way possible. I believe that they should look at scoring 10 points in a home playoff game and saying we need to give Josh Allen more help and trying to fix it. Now, they have not done so, I would say, in a really meaningful way. Hardy and Sherfield are nice signings. I agree with you. I think they're upgrades over the guys that they're going to replace like on the Kumaro roster. or McKenzie. Kumaro and McKenzie. Those are, that's the replacements. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They do not. They have not. They have not, and they did not last year, have a, a Cole Beasley replacement. It wasn't Isaiah McKenzie. He's a great guy. He's a good player, but he was not an every-down slot receiver for this team. That's their biggest hole on offense, in my mind, is an every-down slot receiver, uh, a safety valve for Allen, a guy that can be depended on on third down. Now, whether you want to view him as the number two or number three receiver, in me, to me, is unimportant. When Cole Beasley was here, he was referred to as the slot receiver. In my mind, he was the number two receiver on this team. Mm -hmm. Targets would tell you that, right? Production would tell you that. So I don't really care if you look at Gabe Davis as the number two or the number three. I think you're lacking one of those. If you think Davis is the number three, then you're lacking a number two. If you think Davis is two, then you're lacking a three. So that's why I think receiver is the position that I, if I were the Bills, I would be hoping against hope that the guy that we like is there at 27. It's where I would go. Who are a couple guys that you like? So I like Zay Flowers from Boston College. I think he's got the skill set. Um, I, I like Jordan Addison from USC. I think he is more of a versatile receiver. He can play some of that outside. But I think you know everything I've read about him and in the, in the games that I've watched of his, uh, in, and again, I'm no, no expert, no scout, but it, it does look like he's, you know, being able to get open on those slant routes over the middle of the field and that you could kind of rely on him. And I, and I like the idea that you aren't drafting him to come in as to be the number one. And, and I think you can get by with Gabe Davis as the number two if he's healthy, uh, if he works on those drops. And we know he's going to work on them. If you can if you can get a guy to come in and be a reliable third option for this team, I think that's pretty big. And I don't think it says anything about Hardy or Sherfield. I think Hardy is your number four receiver that let, let's say that souped up version of McKenzie, which mm -hmm. is what I think he is. And then Sherfield as that, I think he's the Jake Kumaro replacement. As you said, he's, he's a special teams guy who can contribute on offense and maybe give you a little bit more on offense than what Kumaro did. But I still think you're looking for that slot guy. So that's, that's the tar the position I'd target. And a lot of these receivers seem to be on the small side this year. And this is not regarded. And we talked about this over wings before the show, this draft class, generally speaking, not just receivers. It's not, I'm not hearing a lot of love for this draft class. Like, this is not like an elite draft class by any means. It's bad all the way around. Yeah. You know, and we were talking to Tyler Dunn, our buddy uh, that I know you've had on the podcast, and love his, love his site. And and he has uh, Bob McGinn, a longtime yeah. Packers writer, on his site. And I've been reading his his draft uh, column that's starting now. And he, he's he got some quotes from some uh, scouts in there, anonymous scouts, that say it's it's one of the worst drafts in recent memory. So it is, it, it's a pretty weak class. Um, and you, you can kind of go position by position. I know there's a few, we, and I'm sure we'll talk about a tight end. It's a very strong year. Uh, cornerback, it's, it's looked to be a pretty good year, but some positions that the Bills maybe want to target and wide receiver being one of them, it's, it's looked at as not a great year. Let me try to be a salesperson right now. You're talking about receiver, and I'm with you, by the way. I'm sure Shin ain't going to be mad if the Bills take a receiver at 27. But you mentioned tight end, and it doesn't, feel like if it's you're gonna say at 27 i hate it but I, go ahead i I'm hate gonna, it i'm gonna say it at 27 michael mayer or kincaid uh, i don't know how much you've read up or, or know about dalton kincaid but i've i don't want to go as far as say studying him i'm not like this film guy or anything but i've watched a lot on him and i just look at him as a great fit and it's not even they would have to change personnel i i get that and you just signed dawson Knox and you just gave him money so i get that but even all right, not at 27, but Darnell Washington from Georgia is a guy that I really like a lot. Maybe you move up, you might have to move up in the second round to get him, or you trade back in the first into the second. How would you feel about somebody like him? Because I look at him, and I look at the Bills last year, and they used a lot of six offensive line formation with Bobby Hart would play. And Washington's like big enough to be that six offensive lineman, but he's also a tight end who can get open, has good hands. He's a good red zone target. He's like 6'6 six, six or some shit like that. Kincaid is just a straight-up burner at tight end. He's, I hate comparing anybody to Travis Kelsey because that's kind of an unfair comparison. 
but he plays that kind of similar style. Like he can control a game offensively like that. And Michael Myers, a really good, well-rounded tight end on a scale of one to 10. How mad would you be if the bills went tight end first? Because it would be something that pretty much nobody saw coming. Well, if 10 is the most mad, I, you know, listen, I, 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 I hate the idea. I don't think that I think you'd have to blow up the way you play offensively. You'd mm -hmm. have to totally reinvent the way that you play offensively. And why did you sign Dawson Knox to a four-year contract mm -hmm. if you're drafting a big money four-year contract if you're drafting a tight end in the first round? So, A, I don't see it. B, I don't love the idea because it's going to schematically, it's going to change the way you play. It's going to have to, right? And I still think that their best offensive set is three receivers, one running back, one tight end. I think that's what they play the most. That's what most teams play the most. And I think, I think that's how they're the best. Now, I get it, though. I mean, and, and the, the, you can kind of rope B. John Robinson into this conversation a little bit, too. It would be hypocritical for me to say that their biggest need this offseason is to add weapons for Josh Allen and then blast Brandon Bean if he drafts a tight end for doing so, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is a weapon for Josh Allen. So I can't say that I would hate it, and I get that it's a good class for him, but I look at it differently. I look at it if, it's, if it truly is a good class for them. Why not wait until the third or fourth round and try to get one of those guys who can like a Luke play behind Shoemaker the, or exact, uh, yeah the Shoemaker guy that's that's a name I've been looking at you know you go through those mock drafts and he seems to always be around there the third fourth round mm -hmm. I like that idea better I like addressing other parts of the roster while still tapping into this deep class of tight ends but doing it later I mean I think if you're taking a tight end in the first round that is rendering Dawson Knox. Uh, he's he's no longer your starter, right? Is he? I mean, if he is, I mean, are you starting a two tight? Are time, you going yeah. Belichick, Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski years where you're playing two tight ends a lot? I mean, that would be a radical change from what they have been on offense really since Josh Allen got here. That's fair. At the same token, I would say a tight end, and yeah, maybe first round could probably be considered definitely too early. But if you could get a guy in the third round or something. You look at tight end two, you know, and Quentin Morris is an upgradable position on this football team. Sure. Not that I don't, I don't hate Quentin Morris at all. He's all right, but I just feel like they no, can I mean, upgrade. If, that. Yeah, if Quentin Morris is your number three, you know, you lost Tommy Sweeney. I'm absolutely fine with that. I agree. With it. I think they actually probably should draft a tight end in this draft. I just don't know that I love the idea of it happening at 27. I just don't. I, there, I think there are certain positions in the, especially in the first round of the draft, that to me. Make sense, make a lot of sense to target. And I just don't know that tight end is one of those, even if it is a, an abnormally good class. Somebody on the stream pointed out Laporta as a tight end, too, maybe a second or third round guy. And that's a, a good player as well. All right. So we're talking about making Josh Allen better and, you know, protecting him. And one way to protect him is to like physically be better at protecting him. Left tackle is set for now with Deion Dawkins. Any other position, though, on this team, by the way, live stream, the Toronto, uh, Maple Leafs just scored again. Five to one. They're putting it on Tampa Bay tonight. Six one. Six one now. God damn. All right. Well, they're not going to get swept. Still going to lose in the first round. But anyway, back to the offensive line here. You look at the rest of the line. They've, they've done work in free agency on guards. So you would think that guards not going to be a high. Bit. Like maybe they take a mid-round guy to work on developing. Mitch Morso, he's in a, potentially maybe his, his last year here in Buffalo. And there's a couple good. I can't think of the guys off the top of my head, but there's a couple good interior guys you could become, you know, maybe they don't start this year, but they're you're starting center. So you could go center early, but the, the big one to me is right tackle and Spencer Brown. And this is probably outside of receiver, maybe the most polarizing part of this draft for me personally, because on one hand, Spencer Brown was the clear weakness on this offensive line last well, Roger Sapp was kind of a weakness too. But anyway, Spencer Brown. Not that great last year, but, and, and you've been there, you've been at the press conferences. Brandon Bean multiple times has spoken very highly of Spencer Brown, talking about the injuries and, and just missing reps and stuff like that. It sounds to me like now this is GM smoke season, so who knows, but he could be blowing smoke, but it sounds to me like he's still very high on Spencer Brown and thinks that it's not time to pull the plug on him as a starter whatsoever. But you look at this draft class, and there's a handful of guys that the Bills could take in the first round if they want to go offense to tackle. What do you think with Spencer? I'm with you. I think I'd like to see legitimate competition for him. I think they need it. I think he needs it. It's not Quisenberry. It's not. No, they don't have it on the roster. You're absolutely right. So if it were a tackle at 27, I'd be all for it. I think it'd be a good pick. 
you know, you look at the way that Kansas City and Cincinnati have invested in Mahomes and Burrow. I mean, they have paid guys up front. They have made it a priority to get as strong as they can on, on the offensive line. And I think the Bills absolutely need to do that. McGovern is a, a fine first step. You know, we'll see how he is. Hopefully he's an upgrade over Saffold. But I would I would totally want to challenge Spencer Brown if I were the Bills. And I would want to challenge him with a first-round pick. No, no question in my mind. Now, an interesting part of this, uh, goes back to what we were talking about, the strength of the draft. It's a bad year for tackles, too. Mm-hmm. And so if you need a guy, I think you got to take him in the first round if there's somebody there that you like. And, uh, you know, Darnell Wright from Tennessee is a guy that I really like. I don't uh, – talking with Mark Gaughan, who knows the draft inside and out sure. way more than I do, uh, my colleague at the Buffalo News, he thinks there's absolutely no chance, right, we'll be there at 27. And if, if Mark says it, then I'm going to agree with him. Um, so – I, I think I think it's a tough spot for a tackle in terms of where they're picking. Uh, but if one of those guys just so happened to fall and they got lucky, I, I would almost say I would might like that over receiver because I think it's so important that you protect Josh and you protect him. Uh, you, you do all that you can to give him the best offensive line possible. And Spencer Brown was a weak link for this team. He definitely was. You know, I, I go back to mock drafts and – He's a popular, I'm talking about right right now. He's a popular pick for the Bills. To your point, I don't think he's going to be there either. And I can even go as far, we both don't think the Bills are going to trade up. I think we agree on that. It's unlikely. It's possible, but unlikely. But I can see a scenario where the Bills did trade up maybe four or five spots to get that tackle. It could be him. And maybe some Bills fans are going to be like, well, you know, he was falling to us in every mock draft, bro. It's not real life. You know what I mean? But you could see a scenario. Could you see a scenario where if the Bills were to trade up, it could be to say, all right, we really like this right tackle. Let's protect Josh better with blocking and go get someone like that. Well, I mean, listen, I would applaud him if they did. I, you know, I'd write a column saying I, I get why Brandon Bean did this. It's important. It's that important. And, you know, be, you know, it was interesting being, and I think we were talking about this before we came on, Bean uh, talked the other day and, and he said that if he was in Vegas, he'd probably bet on him moving down instead of up. And I, mm-hmm. I tend to agree that agree with that. I think he was being honest. You know, they only have six picks, but they didn't have a lot of picks last year, if I remember correctly. And they moved up for Elam because they got he got anxious, right? And the guy that was sitting out there that he thought could help them, he wanted to go and get him. So I can't rule that out at all, that if, if Darnell Wright is there at 22, 23, uh, that he figures out a way to maneuver his way up to get, to get his guy. I, I think that would be... And like I said, I would applaud that move because I think you've got to do what you can to protect Josh. This offseason was about building around him. And I know we've talked about the weapons, and, and I just gave a whole spiel about why I would you know prioritize wide receiver. But I'll, you would get no complaints from me whatsoever if it was an offensive lineman. Let's talk defense. We'll fly through the defense, though, here. Um, defensive end, I mean, that's a position I know Bills fans don't want to hear that because of how much draft resources they've dumped in the defensive end over the last handful of years. But you look at this unit right now, and you got a guy in Vaughn Miller, an elite player, but he's coming off an ACL. He's like 34 years old. Ebenezer has been so-so, and he's going into his last year. Boogie hasn't shown too much, and he's going into year three. Greg Rousseau seems like the only solid guy. And they brought back Shaq Lawson again for another year. It was really good against the run. Doesn't really give you much in the pass rush, though. But I don't know. Defensive end, realistic to see that again. Maybe first, if not the first. First two bits. Hate it again. Hate it again. <laughs> hate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely yeah. hate it. Uh, listen, I, I I get it. I know what you're saying, and I know that you shouldn't chase just because uh, you know you you've spent resources there doesn't mm-hmm. mean you, you haven't gotten it right, right? Especially when it comes to probably Basham. You know, Epinesa. I think you know quietly had a decent, at least statistical output. I think the guy that they're pretty high on is Rousseau. I think they like Rousseau a lot. Sure, and I think they like him. Uh, he got hurt last year, right? He had that high ankle, yeah. and I think that impacted him. So I think you got five pretty decent options there at, at defensive end. Would it absolutely shock me if you know one of those guys that was perceived to be maybe a top 15 pick somehow fell to 27 and they took him? No, no. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me, but again, it's not a position that I'd be prioritizing in the first round. Agreed 100%. Defensive tackle. So you got four guys. You got you're running it back at defensive tackle. You got Ed Oliver. You got Jaquan Jones. You got Tim Settle, and you just brought back Jordan Phillips. So you're set with your four guys for this year. That said, literally none of them are signed beyond this year. And you got to look at at least Brandon Bean. I'm sure looks into the future somewhat with his yeah, draft picks. Yeah. You know for sure. And you look at this team, and it's like, 
Well, what about beyond this year? In defensive tackle seems to be, and again, I'm no draft expert, but it seems to be a position that on a, in a draft class that as a whole is not that good. Seems to be a good handful of prospects in like that late first to uh, between 27 and 59 that could come in and be good fits. Maybe they're not starters right away, but they get playing time and then take over. What do you think about that position? Yeah, it's a need. There's no question, right? And and I agree with you. I mean, Bean brought it up himself, uh, or he was asked about it, but he brought it up, and he and he knows, right? You got it's it's unusual, honestly, to have all four of your projected projected contributors there be going into their free agent year. I mean, that that's weird, you know. So it it is a let's not even call it a long term need. It's more of a medium term need, mm -hmm. right? So. Uh, again, do I love the idea of spending a first rounder there on a guy who's going to be part of a rotation and and really not play that much? I, I don't. I don't love that idea. I, I think, you know, second round feels a lot more palpable to me. But is that guy going to be there? I, I would disagree with you slightly. I think it's a pretty thin class, uh, again, at defensive tackle. And is that guy going to be there at 59? I think that's one of those sleeper positions that we can't totally write off sure. because that need is, is so real. Uh, it's not going to move the needle. It's not going to sell a lot of jerseys if they take a defensive tackle, but I could understand the reasoning for it. It's it's definitely a need position. As of right now, you take the whole defensive line, they're literally running back. Everybody is back last year from the defensive line, and a lot of people will complain about the Bills saying, you know, they bring their rookies along slowly. Sean McDermott doesn't like to play their rookies. This feels like a year where one or two rookies should get on the field quickly, and if you could go defensive line early for even first round, there's not a lot of playing. There's not a lot of snaps out there right now. I mean, injuries happen and stuff. A linebacker is the big position. I guess the only question I have, because we already know about Jack Hamill and Drew Sanders. We're not going to break those guys down enough. Those are considered the two guys who could probably come in if the Bills take them early, and they might be the day one starting middle linebacker. How do you feel, and how much do you believe them right now where between Dotson and Klein, maybe Terrell Bernard, or even go Inspector if you want as well, where – they're going to go in-house and just start one of these guys in-house and, and see how that works out. Boy, that's a great question. It's kind of – I think it, it might be the biggest question looming over this draft, sure. really, right? Because you look at it and, you know, Bean has always talked about the, the whole best player available idea, right? He loves to bring that up. He talks about that uh, using free agency to fill holes on the roster to free him up to take best player available. Go back, though, I would I would ask everybody out there listening to go back and look at his first-round draft picks, right? Starting with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, continuing through Ed Oliver, uh, Greg Rousseau, uh, who am I missing? Kair Elam last year. Every single one of those picks filled arguably the biggest hole on the roster at the mm -hmm. time, right? Yeah. So he has, you know, like, was it truly best player available or was it best player available who filled the biggest need on the roster? Right. Right. And the biggest need on the roster right now, arguably, uh, at least, def I mean, no, no question defensively is middle linebacker. Sure. And maybe, and maybe that's in the entire roster. Right. So that's why I can't in totally eliminate the possibility of them drafting a middle linebacker as high as 27 overall. Would you like to get that guy at 59? Absolutely. If Jack Campbell were on the board at 59, run in the card. Right. No doubt. I, I'm a little worried that he's going to be there at 59. Heck, he might not even get out of the first round. And the same thing goes for Drew Sanders. We could throw Trenton Simpson in there from, from Clemson, probably the only other linebacker that's maybe worth that conversation. Mm -hmm. So that, that to me, is, I, I think is probably the, the biggest question looming over this draft is how does he truly feel about what he's got on the roster at linebacker? If he's truly comfortable then maybe maybe his attention is on offense. But if he's not, and Campbell or Sanders is there at 27, and he doesn't feel great about them being there at 59, does he just have to take them? In a perfect world, as a Bills fan, I want 27 to either be, if you like a receiver a lot, go get him, or if you really like a right tackle, and the right one falls to you, go get him. And not lost on me is the fact that, and Brandon Bean's talked about this, the Bills got a third-round comp coming next year. Well, they're going to. It's not official, but they will. So they're going to have two-thirds next year. Maybe you take your second 59 and one of those two-threes next year to move up into the second round, and you go get your Campbell or your Sanders. You can go get your receiver or tackle in the first round and maybe move up in round two and give up a, an asset for next year to uh, go get your linebacker. 
I'm with you. You you can't trade that projected compensatory pick yeah, because you, you have to own. have it, right? But you could trade your own. Right. So yeah, yeah, you could you could you could do that. You could dip into the future a little bit that way, uh, knowing like you said, knowing that you're probably gonna get a compensatory third. I, I'm with you. I think that that would make uh, that would make it a little easier for me to digest that they're getting that linebacker, but they're doing so while also addressing the offense. Um, and and I think you're probably right that if you want Campbell or Sanders. When you get into the mid forties uh, and they're still on the board, you're probably getting pretty nervous that they're going to sure. get down to fifty nine. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll go one more position corner. I'm not going to spend time talking about. It could happen. Maybe they, they'll take a guy. I mean, you can never have too many corners. But you you use a first rounder last year on Elam. Trey White is going to have a full off season. Hopefully, he's going to be back to one hundred percent. They like what they saw from Christian Benford. They tendered Dane Jackson. He's back so And of course, Jerron Johnson. So they seem pretty deep at corner. It would be a surprise to me for them to take a corner before day three. I, I would definitely take a corner on day three, but I wouldn't do it before. I, I'm I'm in the camp of draft a corner every year, but sure. yeah, this year do it late. Now safety is a position that definitely intrigues me. They bring back Jordan Poyer, which is probably the biggest surprise of the offseason that he resigned. It seemed like a formality that he was going to Miami or somewhere, that he wasn't going to be back. So he's back. Uh Micah Hyde's back. Tomorrow Hamlin just this week said that he plans on playing again god willing he will and we all hope that works out for him of course and he signed taylor raps so they seem on paper pretty deep at safety but yet they've had pre-draft visits they've had some safeties i've even heard talk that branch that the kid from alabama could be a potential first round pick near the end of the first round he's just a really good football player how do you feel about this position because this is one where i'm kind of like it feels to me like they shouldn't even be thinking about safety but they are clearly you know what I'm going to say again? Hate it. Again. Hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it again. No, I think, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen the stuff about Branch. I mean, he's probably the only first-round safety. I've said this about a lot of positions here today. It's another bad year. It's a bad year for safeties, too. It's not a deep class. Uh, there are not a lot of first. There were, I think, three safeties last year went in the first round. Branch is the only one that's got any chance this year. Uh, I get that it's a need uh, probably after this year. You're looking at, at potentially losing both Hyde and Poyer. And, and as, to your point, you know, you, you certainly hope that Hamlin comes back and he's healthy and can be, uh, you know, a contributor. But there's a lot of unknowns there, right? The thing, though, is that I think that rap signing w was pretty significant. I mean, he's a young guy. Yeah. So I could see him contributing beyond this year. Obviously, he's only on a one-year deal. They'd have to re-sign him. But I think having him in-house, getting him for a year, seeing what he's all about, seeing how he fits into this defense, if you decide to move on from Hyder Poyer, Maybe one of those guys is back, and maybe Rap slides into that starting lineup. So I don't love the idea of a safety early in this draft. I think they've done enough that you look at safety right now, and you would argue it's maybe the deepest position on the team, right? So given that, and I know that there's a medium to long-term need at the position, but I'm in a Super Bowl window. I'm not drafting for two years down the road for safety. I'm drafting for a guy that can help me right away. And I don't think it's a safety. I was going to ask you, that was going to be the last question, is if there's one thing about the Bills and Brandon Bean, it seems that he does draft with his eye on the future a little bit too much. Where conversely, you look at a team like the Chiefs last year and all the rookies that played for the Chiefs. Now, injuries caused some of those, of course. But, yeah, I was going to ask you, you want the Bills to get a couple guys, at least the first two to three that are going to matter this year. And, you know, you go draft, for an example, you could go get a great center in the second round, and he might be a stud. And he's going to take over for Mitch Morris maybe in 2024. And he'll give you three or four years as a starter. But what is that doing for you right now this year in a Super Bowl window, you know? Not a lot. And that's why, I mean, I want my first-round pick on the field. If it's not week one, it's early in the right. season as a starter. I want my second-round pick, you know, as a contributor. I even want my third-round pick working his way into the, into the lineup. And then, you know, if you get contributions beyond that from day three, you know, last year, let's get – you know, who had Christian Benford being the opening day starter at cornerback last year? I mean, no one, right? So if you can, you know, strike gold in that way with a day three pick, that's great. But I think you want you need to come out of this draft with at least one starter in the first round and, and at least with a guy in the second round who is a, a regular contributor. Last question, I'm going to let you go here. Don't give me the player and not who you want, what you think the Bills are going to do. And again, we're a week out. You reserve the right to change your mind. You're going to be writing all week. I'm sure you probably will change your mind five times. But right now, in this moment, as we're wrapping up this conversation here at Imperial, 
when the Bills are on the clock at 27, what position – don't give me the players. What position do you think they're going to call out? Well, if I had a coin, I would flip it right now between <laughs> offensive tackle and wide receiver, but I'm going to go with wide receiver. I think that's the – you know, I, I, as I alluded to earlier, for, for all the different reasons, I, I think that's the position that you want to address that – a guy can get into their top three and get meaningful snaps very early in his career uh, as, as soon as week one, really, uh, if he's a slot guy. I think while it's not a great year overall for receivers, you've heard a lot about guys that are best suited for the slot. I think that's mm -hmm. the opening uh, on this team. I think that's the opening in the projected starting lineup right now. So uh, it, it, I'm picking here a week away and a week and maybe two hours from when they're going to make their pick yeah. away, I'll say wide receiver. I tend to agree with you at the end of the day. Again, all this time to think my mind wanders, it goes all over the place. But at the end of the day, I just feel like receiver would be uh, the best one. Right, gonna, by the way, this is weird when I'm doing a stream live like this because people have been commenting. I know we've been locked in there. I'm kind of looking at the camera. I don't even know where to look because I'm trying to make sure I get people's comments in. But uh Anyway, that is going to do it for this show. Thank you again to Imperial Pizza. It's always awesome to come out here and do this show every week. Make sure you follow Jay on Twitter, at Jay Skursky. Jay, Catherine, Ryan, Mark on, of course. Guys, I know you're going to crush it. It's money time, man. The cream rises to the crop around this time of year. I'm really looking forward to uh, reading your guys' work over well, all the time, but especially over the next like week to 10 days or so. Thanks, buddy. This was fun, man. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me, and thanks to everybody here for, for having us. This was a lot of fun. All right, guys. We'll be back. A bunch of new shows next week. Take care. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.